Welcome to the Radiant Life Church Podcast. You're about to hear a message that we pray will inspire your heart and challenge your faith. For more information on RLC, please visit myrlc.family or check us out on social media. Have a blessed day. Now here's your message. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Man, you didn't know you could have that much fun in church in one morning, did you? Come on. Even even for you Squealers fans, we love you too, man, whatever we got to do. As you can see, we value unity. We are better together even when we disagree with your fan choice. We still love you. All right, we just want to make sure we're clear on that before we jump in. Man, if I have not had the privilege of meeting you yet, my name is Pastor Lance along with my wife, Angel. We're the co-lead pastors here at Radiant Life Church. And after service, would love to shake your hand and get to know you right at the front door. Uh, Man, we're jumping into week two of a series that we've entitled Get In The Game. And so last week when we kicked off this series, we said, man, we need some courage We need some courage to be able to get up out of that chair. This morning we're talking about the the grave, get up out of that grave. Like, and, and so it's a glorious day, but it's a glorious day when we get up out of that chair and get in the game. No matter what life is happening around you, and we are encouraged and inspired to get in the game. And the challenge last week, and you'll hear me say it again, was moving from spectator to participant, right? As great as it will be to watch the game tonight, Man, how much more exciting would it be if you were a player on the field, right? Wouldn't that be cool? And how encouraging that is for us in the church to say, man, God, you didn't call me just to sit on the bench. God, you didn't call me just to sit in, in nosebleeds, right? Double road, double Z. And you've asked me to be a participant in what you are doing. And so our theme verse for this series is taken from the book of James, chapter 1, verse 22. And it says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, but do what it says. Right? Do what it says. Don't, don't just hear it. Don't just read it. But go that next step and say, how do I apply it? What is God asking of me? What obedience is he, is he desiring for me to walk in? And I'm not sure how you, this morning, I'm not sure how you reacted when you found out that your, your spouse was pregnant with their first child, right? I'm not sure uh, the way you responded. How many of you, how many of you remember the way you responded when you found out that you were, go- you were pregnant with your first child? All right, here's what I want you to do. I want you to, uh, for all the men in the room, I want you to look at your spouse and I want you to give your facial expression uh, by memory of what you looked like when you found out that you were, they were pregnant. Some of you are like, right? <laughs> All right. Now, some of you, what did, everybody, what was your facial expression when you found out you were pregnant with your third? For real? <laughs> Again? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just playing. Olivia's here somewhere. She's like, Dad. <laughs> so we, I had this moment, um, and I want to, I can't reenact it perfectly, um, but I, I want to show you the moment that I had uh, when we found out that we were pregnant with our first child. And it looked some, similar in, in something like this. Uh, uh, Pastor Angel was, she just said, she said, you need to come in here. And I walk into the bathroom and there were two lines. And so no joke, I am running around the house like this. Yes, 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 there's two lines, there's two lines. It, it literally, it looked just like that. And some of you may be thinking, overreact, over, overreact much? 
Like, like you're excited because someone urinated on a stick and there's two lines. Like, like really, this is, you're very passionate about this feeling, about this emotion. Like, Pastor Lance, are you really, do you feel that deeply? Um, maybe not all the time. But let me give you the backstory, because then maybe you'll understand. Because you may not have that same reaction. You may not, felt, you may not have felt like the, the, a burden being released. There was pressure, like the crock pot or the, the pressure cooker in that moment. Because for over four and a half years, Pastor Angel and I tried to have a child. And there was disappointment after disappointment. There was painful procedures on Pastor Angel's end, a thing she had to walk through. And then there was those moments where you'd be like, is, is it now? No. And then you watch everyone else around you, right? If they drank water, they got pregnant. <laughs> and no matter what you did, it just, it just wasn't happening. And so there's, it, there's that disappointment. There's the, well, God, what, what's wrong? Why don't you love us enough to do, to do what obviously is easy for you and, and to be able, for us to be able to experience this moment of, of being a parent? And so I didn't think my reaction was, was crazy, it was, it was different. And not everybody else got as excited as I did. Like when we started telling family and friends, this was before social media, right? And so we didn't have the opportunity and, and all these cool smartphones like to send and have this big announcement. And people were excited, but they didn't have my level of excitement. But I didn't expect them to have my level of excitement because they didn't walk through what I walked through. They didn't experience what I had experienced. And so this morning, if you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Nehemiah chapter one. And we're gonna be looking at verses one through five. And we're gonna look at, look at someone who, who had a different response than everybody else around them. We're gonna look at a, a, a burden that no one else carried in our text today. So as we read, starting in verse one, it says, in the month of Kislev in the 20th year, while I was in the citadel of Susa, Haniah, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile, and also about Jerusalem. So there's an exile that's happened, and now there's the, the, the city of Jerusalem, and, and Nehemiah is questioning it. And the text says, those who survived the exile and are back in the providence are in great trouble and disgrace. So there's, there's a struggle that is now happening. It says, the wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. And you would think, isn't this a, an interesting response? Isn't this a peculiar response that Nehemiah finds himself weeping? He finds himself mourning, he's, he's fasting and he's praying to God? And maybe when you read that, you're like, well, why? I don't, under, I don't understand, what was it? Right? Were, these, were, these, were these walls made of gold and so there was a loss? I mean, when you think about it, it we're just talking about stone. Why, why was there such a, a, a struggle or a burden from the inside out that Nehemiah is walking through? Why did this have such an impact on him? And not, I mean, the scripture tells us that Hananiah, one of my brothers, came from Judah and then some other men. So we don't, we don't know the total of the men, but obviously there was other people present. But nowhere in our text does it mention anyone else being burdened. Nowhere in our text does it mention anyone else crying or mourning. It just mentions Nehemiah. This moved him. This rattled him. This, this is stirring something in his spirit. And so that's what we want to talk about today. What is God stirring in your spirit? Last week the challenge was what bothered you. And this week the challenge could be what moves you. 
Because we can be bothered by something, but not do anything about it. So what is it that, that God may be stirring on in your life and in your spirit? And if you're taking notes, I'm going to share four principles that we can learn from Nehemiah of how we can move from spectator to participant. And the first is this, God will stir up different passions to fulfill his mission. God's going to stir up different passions within all of us to be able to fulfill his mission. I mean, when you look at the text, understand that Nehemiah is somewhere between 700 to 800 miles from the Jerusalem walls. I don't know about you, but that probably wouldn't bother me, right? Something that's 700 to 800 miles away, something that I cannot see, something, something that's so distant and far off, it probably would not stir me and it wouldn't bother me. But here's what I love. What, what bothers me doesn't have to bother you. What stirs within me doesn't have to stir within you because God is giving this passion. God is igniting this desire within your heart. And, and because he's igniting it in you, it's for you and not for me. I think one mistake we make is, is when we see God giving us a passion, we expect everybody to be just as passionate. Right? If my expectation was for everybody to jump and shout and scream the way I did when we found out we were pregnant with our first child, how many know I would have been let down? Like, no, that wasn't good enough. Do it again. My wife's pregnant, yo. Like, get in the game. Like, no, I didn't do that. I didn't expect that. But somehow we feel like everybody else needs to jump on the bandwagon. I love that. I've never left my bandwagon. I am a part of the factory of sadness for over four decades, going back to the cardiac kids in Brian Sipe. But the Hoff, right? Hall of Fame, let's go. No joke, just the other day, someone made this donation for me to be able to wear, an honest donation for me to wear this jersey, and the day that I receive this jersey gets elected to the Hall of Fame. I was like, let's go. Like, that's, that's favor. Favor ain't fair. I mean, I got Kevin out there in his John Elway jersey. You ruined, he ruined my childhood. Like, this is not funny, people. <laughs> but we want everybody on the bandwagon. I want everybody to feel the way I feel. And I, I've heard this said, nobody here, but I've heard this said, man, when I'm burdened about it, you need to bur be burdened about it. Aren't you a real Christian? I don't even know what that means, first of all. Like, real faith, like, like real, like, what does that mean? Like, you're challenging me if I'm a, I'm a real Christian because I'm not bothered by what you're bothered about. It's not that I'm not, it doesn't bother me. It's that it's your mission and not mine. What has he called you specifically to? We don't look at Hananiah in the scripture here and go, man, he was, what's wrong with him? He wasn't passionate about rebuilding these walls. It's because it wasn't his mission. It was Nehemiah's. It was Nehemiah's. A few years ago, Pastor Angel and I, um, for those of you who are newer to the church, some of this maybe you're like, wow, I didn't know any of that. Well, our, our oldest daughter, the one we were so excited, right, to welcome into the world, uh, the one who, who surely practiced her vocals uh, all, all during her childhood years of screaming nonstop all night long. Um, when she was 11, our oldest, Gabrielle, was diagnosed with, began being diagnosed with multiple autoimmune issues and diseases. And one of those was mixed connective tissue disease. And I'd never heard of it, right? I, I knew nothing about it, but, but, but the Lord put a burden on our heart to do something. There was, there was no medical research being done. There was no fund, right? It's not like uh, October, breast cancer awareness, in, awareness which, is, which is awesome. There's millions upon millions of billions of dollars, right? And there should be a funds raised to do research to find a cure. But for mixed connective tissue disease, there's no cure. There's no research, and we said, we have to do something. 
And when I say we, most of it, I would say 99.9% of it was Pastor Angel uh, doing something. I was, her, I was her cheerleader, like, you got this, boo. And man, she built a website and we, we started a 501c3 and we opened a bank account and we started uh, receiving funds. We had a logo, we had t-shirts and sweatshirts made up for people to be able to purchase because there was something stirring within our hearts that somebody needed to do something. And so we raised over $6,000 and we sent that in to begin research on, man, what's the possibility? Will there ever be a cure? But we didn't expect everybody else to be burdened the way we were burdened because it wasn't their daughter, it was ours. And God put it upon our heart. And so we knew we had to do something And so we shouldn't expect everybody else to to jump on our bandwagon. bandwagon. If you're in your burdens and passions, you have to choose your perspective. You have to choose your perspective. You could be angry with others or you could be grateful that God chose you. Let that sink in for a moment. You have to choose your perspective of what you're walking through. Man, am I gonna be mad at God because of what I'm walking through? Or am I gonna have a different perspective that, that says, man, God chose me. God wants to use me. God inspired me. God has ignited this passion within me and not everyone else. So how awesome is it that God wanted you to run with and then fill in the blank? He wants you to be stirred in this moment and in this season for a greater calling because he, he's calling you. Let that sink in for a moment. The creator of all heavens in the universe chooses you. He could do it himself, yet he wants you to fulfill that calling and that mission and that purpose. Number two, if you're taking notes, you want to move from spectator to participant, is a passion birthed by God will always be larger than we are. Right? It's always larger. Going, man, I can't, I can't do this on my own. I mean, I mean, think about it. If you're Nehemiah, Right, you're looking at this and you're going, God, I don't think, I don't think you've picked the wrong, I think you've selected the wrong person. Yeah, I, I, it has to be somebody else. Because let me give you a little background on Nehemiah and what his current job was. Right, Nehemiah, he was in the wrong place. He's 800 miles away from the concern of his heart. He has a burden for something, but the target is 800 miles away. He couldn't jump on a plane. He couldn't jump on a bus. He didn't, he didn't have a sports car to get him to this place quicker. It's an incredibly long distance. Most people in biblical times, they, they don't travel or move away within a 20-mile radius of where they're born. And yet now all of a sudden there's this burden of seven to 800 miles away. It's a logistical nightmare. It would be like you having a burden for something in Little Rock, Arkansas, or Savannah, Georgia. Some of you are like, it's warmer there. Lord, burden me. Like, let me... <laughs> But that, that's the distance that we're talking about. We're not talking about something within an hour. We're talking about hundreds of miles. So he was in the wrong place. The second thing we see is he had the wrong position. Nehemiah is not in charge of anything. You, like he's not in a position of power. He doesn't have a position of authority. Nehemiah is a cupbearer for the king. That means he's expendable. In biblical times, you know what a cupbearer would do? You would think, oh, he would serve the king. No, a cupbearer would taste the food or drink the wine to make sure it wasn't poisoned. That was his job. And how many know inside of that job, there's really not much job security. If it's poisoned, you die. And then they find somebody else to fill that role other than the king because they don't want that to happen to the king. So it's not he didn't have authority. He didn't have a title He's expendable. There's no job security. People don't care if he passes away. He doesn't have an engineering degree. He's not, he, it's not like he's the foreman of the king's construction crew. No, he's the cupbearer. That's his role. And sometimes that's exactly who God wants. 
They don't have, they, they don't have to walk in, the, the, in this mission. They have to walk it out by faith and not by skill or ability. You see, he wants to use your weakness so you, so you will have to rely on his strength. Right? You, you walk in this weakness. Why? So you can rely on his strength. Like, God, you're asking me to do something, but I don't have that gift or ability. And God's like, perfect, you're right for the job. Some of you are like, isn't that the opposite of a job interview? Don't you want to make sure that people see your strengths and you're built perfect for that role? Yes, but that's not how God works. Because when it's about us and what we can do, then maybe we shine instead of God and his glory. And maybe Nehemiah was the wrong person. I mean, to take on a mission to Jerusalem, he doesn't know anybody there. He doesn't have the network. He doesn't have the contacts. He doesn't have the support system. He doesn't have the, the Motel 6. Like, there's nothing there for him. And yet we see that he was definitely in the right place, in the right position, and he was the right person. And maybe God doesn't call you to do something huge like he's doing for Nehemiah. But I want you to hear this quote by Mother Teresa. She says, not all of us can do great things, but we can do small things with great love, right? It doesn't have to, you think about it, it doesn't have to be like this great giant, like, oh, I'm going to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Like, this is going to be amazing. He may not call you that. He may, but whatever he calls you to, I would encourage you to do it with great love. It's not what you do. It's how well you do it, right? It's not what you do. It's how well you do it. Listen, if you have a passion, and that's what we're talking about this morning, passion. If you have a passion to teach kids, then man, I would teach until your tank is on E. Right? Give it everything you have. If you have a passion for serving the needy, then serve until everyone is fed. If you have a passion for worship, then give it all you got. Right? If you have a passion for hospitality, then have people in your home every week. Invite people out to lunch if that's your passion. If you have a passion for missions, then man, you, then you give like you can outgive God and you go because that's what he's called you to, right? Just think about this. In just a few short months, we have an opportunity to go to El Salvador. It's not too late, right? If God's burdening your heart, like, no, that's, I need to go. I need to share the gospel. I need to make sure when, that, that, the, that the, the, menace, the missions workers who are there feel, feel loved and valued and their heart is to see every child in the country of El Salvador have an opportunity to receive Jesus. And so they're gonna have hundreds of teams in 2023 and we're gonna be one of those teams, and maybe that's you, and so you need to go. Maybe it's New York City in December. Remember I mentioned at the missions conference that you save $8 a week, and you can, you can fund yourself to be able to go to New York City, to be able to take care of the needy and the homeless and the poor, and to be able to love people in their, in their moments when they need it the most. Or there's another trip in early 2024, a building trip in, in Nicaragua, where we're going to be help laying block for, for a Bible school. And you're like, that's That's me. And maybe you're like me, I'm, I'm, I'm really, I'm trying to, to make arrangements to be able to go on this trip. And man, I've never laid cinder block in my life, but that's okay. I can carry blocks. I can mix cement. I can do my part in order to see the gospel furthered. So if you're passionate about missions, then go. If you're, pas if you're passionate about blessing the pastor, his size is a Ford Mustang. Like whatever you need, <laughs> I'm, here for, I'm here for you. I will take one for the team. Here's what I would say. Whatever passion you have, would you put your whole heart into it? Don't give half, give whole. And don't wait, hear me church, don't wait for a position of authority. Don't wait for a title and here's why. Because titles are like labels, no one reads them. We only care what comes out, right? We don't, it's not like we're like, oh, this is great. And some of you are like, no, I read those labels. Like I, I'm a, I'm a, I love the science of what's in this can. No, what do we do? We open it up and we pour it out and we're like, great, that's what's, what's supposed to be in there. 
And so don't wait for a title. Don't wait for a position. Like, oh, God couldn't use me because I don't have. Don't, don't make the excuses. Walk in it. Number three, if you're taking notes, how do we go from spectator to participant? From Nehemiah. When a God-ordained passion ignites, you can't help but get involved. Right? When God stirs something within you, you can't help but say yes. Like, God, okay, is this you? Then I want to say yes. There's this sense of urgency. There's this sense of, God, you're asking me, and so I want to move in that. There just has to be something done. Man, I don't, I don't care what else is going on around me. I just want to get in the game. I want to be willing to say yes. I want to be able to respond the way Jesus responded. Like when, we, when we talk about this, this faith or of following after Jesus, we look at his life, and we want to see, Jesus, how did you respond? And so we see in the book of Mark, chapter 1, verse 40 and 41, it says, Now a leper came to him, imploring him, kneeling down to him, saying to him, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus, moved with compassion, stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I am willing, be cleansed. Right? So there was something stirring and moving within the heart of Jesus himself, and he was moved with compassion. There was something that he was burdened over, and he says, Man, I am willing, and now we see a cleansing take place. In Matthew chapter 9, verses 36 and 38, it says, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with, and then we see this word again, compassion for them, because they were weary and scattered, like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the labors are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out labors into his harvest. I love Jesus' response. There's compassion. But what does he say? He's moved with this compassion, and he says the harvest, the need, far outweighs the labors, but here's what you need to do. Pray. Pray to who? Pray to the Lord of the harvest to what? Send out the labors so that the Lord of the harvest, the Lord himself, will then burden individuals to be those workers in that labor field. What's he saying? He's saying, I need you. He's saying, I need you, each and every one of you, to get in the game. That includes those of you who are watching online this morning. He's saying, I need you. The harvest field is plentiful. There's, there's so much out there, but the workers are few, but it's up for us to get in the game, to take personal responsibility, personal ownership of saying, man, God, whatever it is you're asking me to do, I want to say yes. I love how God calls Isaiah in Isaiah chapter six, verse eight. It says, then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, here am I, send me. Right, here am I, send me. And we may not say this out loud, but maybe our heart speaks it. And maybe this would be our response. I will follow you anywhere I want to go. Right? Lord, I'm going to be like Isaiah. I will follow you anywhere I want to go. But that wasn't Isaiah's response. And maybe that shouldn't be our response either. Maybe it should be, I will follow you anywhere you want me to go. Or where is it where you want me to go? What is it you would have for me to do? What, what act of obedience can I walk in passionately? What, what spark are you igniting within my heart that you are calling me to do? So wherever you call me, I'll go. Now that's hard, right? That's, a, that's bold. That's a, that's a statement. And, and, and it, for me as a parent, right? When, I, when you have three daughters and you pray that prayer, God, whatever your will is for them, what I really wanted to pray, God, what my will is for them would be better. Because <laughs> I know them and I love them and so I, I want them near me and I want them to stay home. And then God's like, no, he, he's gonna put a burden and a calling and one moves to Youngstown and the other somehow gets a scholarship for free to be able to drive go seven hours away to college. And I'm like, that wasn't a good idea either. 
And then the youngest, she's getting ready to, she's getting ready in, to go on her third trip. She's going on this next one to El Salvador. She has a burden to be a missionary. And she doesn't necessarily have a specific country yet. She just wants to go around the world preaching the gospel and doing kids' crusades. And I'm like, that's awesome. But don't we need it in Wadsworth? <laughs> like, like, can't we go to the utter, the utter ends of the earth like Norton? Like on that... Man, Lord, I will follow you anywhere you want me to go. But we see this word passion, and we see this word compassion. And we're like, man, what's the difference between passion and compassion? The definition, hear him on this, the definition of passion, you would think that the word, that the word passion would be defined as making us happy. Right? Because if we're walking, if we're just passionate about something, then we're happy about something. But that's not the definition. The root word in the Latin, it means to suffer or to endure. Therefore, the root of passion is suffering. You're like, Browns fans, right? We totally get this now. <laughs> Passionate, and now I suffer. The word compassion by defini- definition means to suffer with. So when you have compassion and you take those words, it's to suffer with. It means, it means I have a desire to get into the mess of other people's lives, to be willing to suffer with them in order to what? Be a part of that bur- burden to rectify a wrong. Like, God, I'm going to enter this, and I'm going to have such a burden and such a passion that I will be led with compassion. That means you're making a conscious decision to enter the battle, to say yes, and I'm going to enter it with you, and I'm going to, I'm going to walk with you. Do you know what the hardest part of a missions trip is? It's not the going, and it's not the raising the funds. It's leaving. It's leaving, because you go, and you're like, man, I don't, I don't want to leave. I want to stay. The food is horrible. Typically, the bedding is horrible. And you're like, I don't, but your heart breaks and you go, I want to stay. And God's like, awesome. But I need you to go back home with that same passion and compassion. And I need you to suffer with those that you're right there with. And you're like, ah, oh, but I want to stay here. And maybe he does call you, but the majority of us get called home to be able to live out that passion and that compassion. You see, that real, that real fulfillment only comes when we sacrifice ourselves for the good of others. I said it last week, I'll say it again. Right? Real joy is found in giving and not getting. That's real joy. When you give of yourself, when you give yourself away and you're like, man, I didn't know I would, my, my tank would be that full by serving someone else or other people or serving a greater cause beyond myself. And then lastly, flying through it is true compassion will always lead you to action. So you want to you move from spectator to participant then when God gives you that sense of compassion, then it will compel you to be moved to action. Because that's what compassion does. It, it ignites that flame, and man, it moves you to action, saying, God, I have to do something. Nehemiah was burdened. He said, I have to do something. These walls that have crumbled, there has to be somebody. And if that somebody's me, then I'll do it. I can't sit idly by. I can't sit in the comfort of my complacency in my chair. I have to be encouraged and inspired to get into the game. And so there's a greater cause. There's something within me that, I, that, that, that will never be satisfied. It can't be quenched because there has, there's more. There's always going to be more. And whatever that is, I would just encourage you to say yes. And I love how that compassion is always reoccurring. Like you would think like, oh, after I've served one meal, I would, feel, I would feel like, oh, that's great. I did my part and now I'll go home. But yet when you go home, you're like, maybe next week there's more. And I can't wait to go back to serve another and another and another and another. 
right? We launched a completely different expression of church this year in 2022 with Rosemary Community Dinner. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of pushback sometimes within, within the network of, of ministers who are like, man, that just seems like a, 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 just a glorified outreach. No, it's a church. It's just different. But where we have an opportunity to real meet, meet real needs in real time, that's what it is. There are people walking from across the street to, to have a hot meal. And then whatever's left, we put in boxes and they take home and they have a hot meal for the next day. And we're like, oh man, but it, just, just go to the store and make your own hot meal. Maybe that's not accessible to them. And we can look back as judge and jury and go, yeah, but what they need to do is get a job. I'm not looking at judge and jury. I'm looking through the filter of Jesus Christ saying, man, what a different perspective that there is a need, that there are people who are hurting and maybe God burdens your heart to say yes. And you look at it completely different, that there is a different expression that is possible to church and to be able to invest in the hearts and the lives of others. And so you pull up a seat. Even last week when I went, Natalie's at, Natalie's at the table and I'm having a conversation with Natalie and I just, and, and at the end, Pastor Anthony always encourages, hey, around your table, have moments of prayer. And it's like, oh, you, you, you have preaching at dinner church? Yes. Oh, there's worship? Yes. Oh, there's moments of reflection and prayer? Yeah, right there at the table. Not, oh, go and do this. No, it's right there. It's so powerful. And so I was at the end and I just said, hey, Natalie, is there anything I could be praying for you about? She's like, ah, I'm just in a little bit of pain. Right, some arthritis and temperatures changing. And those of you with arthritis, you know what that means and what that feels like. And I said, man, I'd love to pray with you. And so I just began praying and, and I got done and, and she's just smiling at me. And I'm like, Natalie, everything all right? She's like, yeah, your prayer. How did you know? And I was like, what do you mean? How did I know? Well, you prayed specifically that, that inflammation would go down. And I've, I've been struggling with this pinched nerve right here in my neck and my shoulder. And you prayed specifically for swelling and inflammation to go down. And I, man, I just, I feel like it's gonna go down. And I was like, well, I didn't know. I just felt like that was what I was supposed to pray with you about. And she goes, can I pray with you? <laughs> yes. <laughs> right, it's in that moment. But you don't have those moments if you don't get in the game. You don't, you don't have that sense of compassion if you don't go and have an opportunity to meet real needs in real time. And so that's what we do. Because true compassion will always lead to action. And Jeremiah 20 verse 9 says, But if I say I will not mention or speak of his word, I won't say his name anymore. And his word is, in my, is, is like a, in my heart is like a fire. It's a fire shut up in my bones. I am weary of holding it in and I cannot do it. Right? Like it's, it's so there and I, and I won't do it. I'm not going to speak his name anymore. Yet it feels like it's going to burst out because there is that compassion that moves us to action. George Washington Carver says this, he says, life begins the day we quit asking, what are we supposed to do? And we begin asking, why are we here? Like, what am I supposed to do? No. Why am I here? Like, what, a, what, if I'm here for this, then I want to fulfill that mission and that calling and that purpose. Last week, I closed with this challenge of what bothers you. And so today, I want to narrow that list down. Because a lot of things bother me, but only a few things will move me. A lot of things bother me, but only a few things will move me. So my question to you is, what moves you? What stirs a deep emotion within your heart? What gets you fired up? Right? Let that sink in for a moment. What gets you, you fired up? 
What is it that's stirring within you where you're like, man, I have to, I gotta do something. What, what within you creates a sense of urgency? Like somebody, anybody. Someone should move, someone should do. There's a sense of urgency within you. And so you have to act. Or maybe what wrong do you need to make right? Let that sink in for a moment. What wrong do you need to make right? And we can go big picture. There was a gentleman a number of years ago. He, um, this is a, a burden that the Lord put on his heart. He's no longer with us. He passed away a number of years ago uh, from ALS, and he attended our church. And uh, there, was, there was, understand, he, he's about as white as me, um, but yet there was a burden put on his heart for Native American Indians. And so he started his own ministry called Recon Ministries, and Recon was the shortened version of reconciliation, that there was an injustice done and there was an injustice done to, the, to those who, who were here before us of Native American Indian descent. And we came in and took something that belonged to them. And so there was this injustice and somebody had to do something because there was a reconciliation that needed to happen of people who look like me and people who don't look like me that are Native Americans. And so here's, here's the deal. Nobody else in the church started that ministry. That was Ken Brandis's ministry because it burdened him. It was a passion that stirred with, up within him. Here's the crazy thing, he's like, I knew nothing. When the Lord began to, to stir in my heart, and I remember having conversations with him about it, and I went to, to two, two different Indian reservations to do ministry with him. And he goes, I don't know why the Lord would have called me to do this. And he, made the, he had the same reasons, I'm the wrong person in the wrong place. I have no knowledge, I have no training, yet I just feel like I'm supposed to do this. And he, he worked so many avenues. He loved people. He found people that were, that, that were like-minded and said, hey, can we do ministry together? And he would travel and he would save up money, his retirement, to just go to reservations. And he didn't go preaching an agenda. He didn't go preaching a denomination. He just went with reconciliation. Can I hear from you? And how can I love you better? That's all he did. And when we have that same heart, that the Lord would burden us, would ignite a fire within us that we would have to say yes to. If I had the confidence, the influence, and the resources, ask yourself this question. If I had the confidence, the influence, and the resources, and the time to do anything that may make this world a better place, I would. That's your blank, that's not mine. How would you fill that in? What causes your heart to break? I know I've already quoted her once, but let me give you another quote from Mother Teresa. When at, she was asked, when did you receive this calling to help the poor? When did you like to go into the orphanages in Calcutta? When did you receive this calling to help the poor? Here, the poor? Here was her reply. I don't know that I ever did. I don't know that I ever did. And here's how she finished it. I saw a need and I thought I could help. That's it. I saw a need and I thought I could help. So how do you close a service like this? Here's what I'm gonna encourage you to do. Would you pray as Nehemiah did? That's how Nehemiah started. The walls were in rubble. He senses it and yet he goes to the Lord in prayer. 
He fasted. God, what is it? What is it you're drawing me to? What is it you're stirring in my heart? Is this for me or is this for someone else? And so I would encourage you to go to the Lord in prayer, not just in this moment, like, oh yeah, I'll pray at the end of service because you're gonna ask me to anyway. And so I'll pray and I'll be open. Lord, whatever you want me to do. No, I'm, 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 I'm saying like really seek the Lord. God, what burdens me? What stirs in my heart? And then here's the second thing. Would you pray for the people who are going to be impacted by your burden? Would you begin to pray for those who will be impacted by your burden? So how do we move from spectator to participant? What do we do with that fire that's ignited within our heart? Because the heart of this series is that there would be a burden, there would be a fire, there would be a spark within each and every one of us here at Radiant Life Church to get in the game, to get in the game. So here's how we're gonna close the service today. With I just ask you to, to close your eyes, bow your heads. The reason I do this is because is this, this is a moment of authenticity between you and the Lord. And so closing your eyes is just removing a distraction. Not worried about the motion that's happening in front of you or, or something on the stage or, or what's on a screen. This is just for you to, to just slow down for a moment and say, all right, Lord, what do you have for me? Before I pray over what burdens you, could I pray with what burdens me? And that's that every individual that walks through the doors of Radiant Life Church would feel the power of the presence of Jesus himself. That lives would be changed, that real relationship with Jesus would be found, and that your heart would break for this community. But the most important is a real relationship with Jesus, saying yes to him. If that's you, if you're watching in line, there's a host that would love to pray with you. If you're here in the room and you say, that, I need to give my life to Jesus, that's, that's, that's where I need to start, that's where I need to begin. If that's you with no one looking around, would you just raise your hand toward heaven as we pray this morning? If you want to be in agreement with this prayer of what burdens you, would you do me a favor this morning if you feel comfortable all over this place? Again, with no one looking around, would you just, would you just simply hold your, your hands up right at your side there? Just put yourself in a position to receive. Father God, this morning I pray, I pray, Lord, that you would burden us as individuals. God, what is it you're asking of us? Where, what, is it, what is it you want to stir up within each and every one of us? Maybe, maybe it's to have, a, to have a heart for our local school system. And God, maybe we're supposed to do something and make an investment in, into the Wadsworth City Schools, Norton City Schools. God, maybe you're burdening us to go on one of those missions trips. Maybe, God, you're burdening us to give more, to sacrifice more for our special missions project that, that, that children in Tanzania would have an opportunity to be born into health. God, because we're not comfortable with, with one in three children passing away into eternity. God, we want them to be world changers for you. But God, I pray that you would stir up within each and every one of us a burden, a passion, that you would ignite a spark, and God, that we would move. We would move inside of that compassion to action that we wouldn't just sit idly by in a chair and be comfortable in complacency, but God, that, that our passion would move us outside the walls of the church to do something. And whatever you call us to do, may we do it with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. May we, may we love well the way that you, Jesus, have loved us well and given your very best for each and every one of us. So whatever that would be, 
Father, help us to say yes to you and yes to getting in the game. In Jesus' name, amen.